You're listening to A Stranger Podcast, www.thestranger.com. If you're stuck in a relationship quandary, or if you're looking for sexual harmony, well, there's nothing you can't ask on the Savage Podcast. So Anthony Weiner, remember him? He made sexting seem like this thing that men do, that adult congressmen do that they send unsolicited boner pics out to unsuspecting Twitter followers. There's a study that came out a few weeks ago uh, filed as not science by Gothamist because there's a little self-selection bias going on here. But uh, a sex researcher at the University of Nebraska conducted a study uh, through AshleyMadison.com looking at men and women and sexing. Now, AshleyMadison.com, of course, is a website for people who want to have affairs, who want to cheat on their Husbands or wives. And what she found was that two-thirds of women had sexted the women at AshleyMadison.com who self-selected by being there and then self-selected by taking the survey compared to uh, only half of the men. Makes sense if you're talking about straight ladies who are out there looking to get uh, a male partner. Men are visually stimulated. Like show your tits and the guys will come running, right? Uh, not necessarily the other way around as Anthony Weiner discovered to his shame. What I thought was interesting was this quote from the, the report's author, Diane Kolos Waisaki, which is quite a name. And she wrote, cheating is alive and well and sexting is on the rise. There seems to be something going on with marriage that's the bigger social issue before people would just get a divorce. For some reason, people are staying and cheating now instead. Now, what would that reason be? Not me. I am not the reason. And the New York Times Magazine is not the reason. Mark Oppenheimer is not the reason. I think the internet is partly the reason because it's made it possible uh, through sites like Ashley Madison and Craigslist and a million other places to get your sexual needs met elsewhere very discreetly if need be and stay in your marriage. And that's not always a bad thing. There are a lot of people out there back in the bad old days pre-internet who would – because they were so sexually frustrated, get a divorce, bust up a home, uh, you know – traumatize perhaps a whole bunch of children and a partnership that in other ways was very satisfying emotionally or socially or financially, uh, all because they had to get some sexual satisfaction and divorcing and going back into you know, the singles scene was the only way to get it. Well, now you can get it another way. And is that always bad? Regular listeners of the podcast know how I feel about that. It's not always bad. Sometimes cheating, adultery, infidelity – is the least worst option out of a field of two options. If you're talking about divorce versus cheating, you got to take it on a case-by-case situational basis and figure out, well, in this instance, which is the less horrifying, less disruptive, less loving option? And in some cases, an infidelity is the more loving choice, which is the reason why some folks out there are staying and cheating instead of opting instantly for divorce to get their sexual needs met. Speaking of sexual needs, you calls after this. This episode is brought to you by adamandeve.com where you can find over 18,000 adult entertainment products for every lifestyle. To receive 50% off most any item plus three adult DVDs plus an extra gift plus free shipping, visit adamandeve.com and enter SAVAGE at checkout. Hi, Dan. Um, I'm 22. I'm bi. And I am a fabled unicorn. Um, I've met several hetero couples on OkCupid. 
I don't advertise myself as a third, and I don't contact couples. They just find me, which is cool, I guess. Um, I generally have really good experiences, and I think that the other that the couples enjoy it too because I'm often asked back to the bedroom. But I have found with several couples that they don't actually seem very interested in making me come. Um, the situation usually plays out where we all kiss and go down on each other for a while, and then me and the boy get the girl off, and then the boy fucks girl comes, and then they lay down and snuggle, and that's kind of like the end of the evening. And I can't figure out how to politely be like, uh, what about my turn? For the prostitute, I could totally understand the sequence, but with a third that they're interested in, quote, dating, uh, it just seems rude and inattentive. Um, it's not too tricky to make me come 10 minutes of adept tongue-to-clit action or a few minutes with a vibrator would do the trick. I just can't figure out how or when it's appropriate for me to assert myself or why the couples aren't more attentive to me. So any suggestions you have would be great, Dan, because I would love to continue being, you know, a wonderful unicorn for thirds because I really enjoy it. If I can quickly summarize your call, my needs aren't being met. I'm not communicating them, but still. That's kind of what it boils down to, right? My needs aren't being met. I'm not telling anyone what they are. And in the moment, I'm not communicating my unhappiness or displeasure or making any demands. And they're not reading my mind. And so I'm very, very disappointed in them. And I'm disappointed in them too. They should be more conscientious and considerate and... When it's a three-way situation, everybody deserves their orgasm and they clearly, the folks you've gone to bed with, were being sort of selfish, self-centered, douchebaggy couples in the moment and they neglected you. But they can't neglect you if you refuse to allow them to neglect you. The evening can't end if you clear your throat and say, Ahem, we're not done because I haven't had my orgasm and then you put a vibrator in her hand and you put his face in your crotch and you say, and now – it's my turn. And you just say it in sort of an upbeat, friendly, sexy way. And what are they going to do? They're going to – if they're anybody you should have gone to bed in the first place, if they're anybody you're going to go to bed with again or should even consider going to bed with again, they're going to go, oh, yeah, right. Oh, we're so sorry. Let's fucking get you off now, right? So don't be afraid to state your needs. Don't be afraid to throw it out there. Even if you, you know, you're the unicorn again in another situation with another couple, say it in advance, let them know in advance you've been disappointed by a few of the couples you've played unicorn for because they were so sort of focused on each other's needs and each other's sort of emotional comfort that your needs and your desire to get off was neglected. And just say – just want to like toss that out there, lady and gentlemen. <laughs> just say, hey, you two, you're really hot. Just want to like throw this out there. I've been disappointed the last couple couples because you know they're so focused on each other that I got left out. So don't leave me out. In fact, I have an idea. I get to come first and then I'll demonstrate to you what follow through and being concerned with other people's pleasure looks like because I know what it looks like and I know what it doesn't look like and I'm not going to let it look like that anymore. And they will respond positively to that kind of input and uh, if they don't, then put your big girl pants on and walk out the fucking door because they don't deserve the unicorn in their bedroom. That is you. Hi, Dan. I need your opinion. If a monogamous couple were beginning to open up their relationship – wouldn't they be better off opening the relationship up to close friends or even family? My thinking is that close friends and family would be equally concerned with the well-being of both partners, not just the one they were having sex with. 
I would be much more comfortable with my girlfriend fucking my brother or even my best friend, both of whom I trust completely, rather than a stranger who doesn't give a shit about me and may only consider her a sexual opportunity. I have asked this question to many people over the last few years, all of whom have disagreed with me. I'd like to know your opinion and the opinion of your listeners. If you read about swinging, about its inception, about kind of the very first uh, poly-swinging, mate-swapping communities, military bases, jet pilots, jet testers, uh, and it really was friends passing around their wives and wives passing around their husbands. And it was a part of this sort of group dynamic. They were really high-risk uh, occupations and a lot of people died uh, flying jets military jets and it was kind of a way of creating and cementing a group bond and everyone sort of feeling responsible for each other's spouses too and not just their own spouses. It was really Bonobo-y. The Lifestyle, A Look at the Erotic Rights of Swingers is a book that goes into this. I recommend it. It's very interesting by Terry Gould. Anyway, so you're not fucking crazy, this idea of you'd feel more comfortable with it being a close friend. Family... <laughs> Family, however, feels a bit crazy to me. Uh, you know, when it comes to sharing your primary sexual partner with another person, people tend to go two directions. One is someone very close to me and the other is someone from Mars that we're completely sure is sane, safe, disease-free, that we've never met before and we'll never see again because that makes people feel somehow safer because that person represents less of a threat to the relationship. I see what you're saying. Maybe somebody who's invested in your success as a couple represents less of a threat to the relationship too. This is really about your individual comfort levels and what you're comfortable with. Friends work for some, communities, little tribes of uh, bonobo or bonobo. I never know how to pronounce that word. Next time I have Christopher Ryan on from Sex at Dawn, we'll have to get the correct pronunciation. Works for other people. But family is such a tripwire word when it comes to sex. When you say, let's like keep that in the family. There seems to be something incesty about it and it rubs people the wrong way. If you have the sort of relationship with your brother where you could have sex with someone that he is also having sex with, more power to you. Those of us who have brothers and siblings and well-developed and we're subject to the Westermark effect. I encourage everyone to Google Westermark effect. The idea of your siblings being sexual beings at all can be a huge turnoff, let alone them being sexual beings on the being that you're mostly sexual on yourself. But I see your point. I just don't want to think about it. Neither does anyone else you're sharing it with. Just drop the family part of your formulation and stick to the friend part. Have fun. Hi, Dan. Um, I'm a 35-year-old straight woman. I've been married for almost five years. Uh, the relationship is a really good one. I think we've got the partnership and companionship thing down pat. Uh, we started to think about having children about three years ago, and so far we're not having any good luck yet. Um, and about a year and a half ago, almost two years ago, we discovered that I had um, a tumor, a non-cancerous tumor on my ovary. So after some hemming and hawing, we decided that I should have a laparoscopic surgery to have it removed. And during the surgery, um, I was under, of course, and the doctor uh, invited my husband in to see what was going on. Um, also during the surgery, it was discovered that I uh, have both tubes blocked, so it's not possible to have children without um, IVF. Anyway, um, 
since that time, since the surgery, uh, our sex life has diminished is a very, very polite way to put it. I think we had sex once last year. Um, this is kind of a problem for me, <laughs> as, as you might expect it might be. Um, and I pressed my husband about it, and at first he said, no, I'm just busy or I'm stressed out or something like that. And then once or twice it comes up that, you know, I think I was really disturbed by seeing that, and it made me think that you were damaged and I didn't, I didn't want to hurt you by having sex with you or something like that, which I can kind of see where he's coming at. But um, I also, it makes me feel terrible. It makes me feel like I'm damaged goods, like I'm a sick person that you can't touch. It really hurts me a lot, on top of the fact that I don't get to have sex and I'm only 35. Um, and we would think that, you know, the pressure of trying to have children would would decrease our sex drive, but because we have only IVF as an option, um, you know, the sex that we would be having would have no bearing on that. So in a way, it was kind of freeing. Um, yeah, I'm not really sure what to do. And now, because we've had so much trouble having children, I'm starting to think about my life if I'm not able to have children. And sexless for the rest of my life is not the way I want to live. And I never envisioned it that way because of how great and how sexual our relationship was for the first few years. So I'm wondering if you have any thoughts on that. I thank you so much. Sue the doctor for bringing your husband into the operating room without your consent or foreknowledge and exposing him to, I don't know, some sort of splayed open, cut open version of your genitalia that squicked him out perhaps for the rest of his fucking life. That could be it. Your husband could have been saddled with mental images that he can't get past. It's why I don't recommend straight men necessarily be in a position in a birthing suite where you can see everything. There are things that you have a right not to look at, especially when you have a dual-use organ in play where it has some sort of aesthetic erotic functions but also some you know reproductive basic biological functions which you don't need to like stick your nose in necessarily. It might make it hard for you to stick your dick in it later if you stuck your nose in it at one particular moment. So fuck your doctor. Good fucking God. I w you don't sound very angry at your doctor. I'd be sticking pins in voodoo dolls of my doctor and burning him in effigy were I you. That said, it sounds like your husband really needs to get his ass onto a shrink's couch. Sex does two things. Sex for straight people, hugely symbolic where fertility and mating and spitting out new human beings is concerned. And that's completely legitimate. And there are people out there for whom that's a, a large part of their erotics. Uh, their you know, erotic imagination involves, even when they're not trying to make a baby, the possibility that their sex is going to work that kind of baby-making magic that makes straight sex so much more important and significant than straight sex or than gay sex. There's also the role sex plays in sort of bonding, cementing a relationship and intimacy and that kind of connection, uh, which is mostly what sex does. Sex is mostly for that. We have many orgasms and few children, even if we are open to possible conception every time we have sex. We are not going to have more children than the Duggars have had. So we will have many, many, many hundreds or thousands of orgasms for every orgasm that we've had that made a baby. We'll have many, many, many recreational orgasms that exist to provide us with some sense of human connection, release, intimacy. 
your husband needs to tap back into that. And I think a shrink might be able to help him tap back into that. If what sex meant for him was, you know, his super magic powerful seed and the potential of it, even if you're using birth control, you know, charging its way through your diaphragm and his swimmers are so powerful, they're going to blast past the spermicides and find that egg. There are a lot of crazy fucking straight guys who that's the tape loop running through their head while they're having sex, even when they're not trying to make babies, even when they're having sex with somebody who's on birth control. It's still part of the emotional erotic charge for them. It's still what puts them over the top when they're approaching orgasm. Your husband could be one of those guys. He needs to open up about it, if not with you, with somebody. And you need to put him on notice that you are not at 35 prepared to live like this for the rest of your life. And what he's doing to you is abusive emotionally and sexually because of the way it's making you feel. It's very damaging. And what did he think was going to happen? Say you had a couple of kids. Was he going to get a vasectomy? Were you going to get your tubes tied? Eventually, he was going to have to get to a place where if his hang-up is there's no possibility of conception here, eventually he was going to have to get to a place where he was being sexual and intimate with you when there was no possibility of conception. And if he can't do that, if he can't get there, you need to think about dumping his fucking ass. And if you don't have the money to sue for divorce and you're not financially in a position where you can divorce him, sue your doctor first and then divorce him. Looking to spice things up in the bedroom? Fantasizing about surprising your lover with an adventurous new toy or adult movie? Well, here's an offer you won't be able to resist. Go to adamandeve.com for a limited time only. You'll get 50% off just about any item. And that's not all. There's more. You'll also receive three free adult DVDs plus a free extra gift plus free shipping on your entire order. Check out adamandeve.com today for this special offer. That's adamandeve.com and enter Savage at checkout. Uh, hey, Ben. My girlfriend just shared a kink with me today, and uh, she has a bit of an exhibitionist streak. Uh, she was thinking a webcam so we could get a bit of an audience. Uh, she has also suggested uh, campus buildings or uh, more public places uh, late at night so we might not get caught. Uh, this is her kink and, and not mine, so I have some additional concerns that she might not have, like to find folks on the other side of the online chat recording us and passing around uh, the video on the Internet. Uh, and uh, for me, the risk of getting caught is more of a risk than, say, a thrill. Um, still, I'd like to be a, a very GGG boyfriend, and uh, I'd like to pull this off. Is there a way that we can simulate risk, or is there a place where uh, risk is just inflated uh, more than it actually is, so she can get that feeling without uh, the risk being all that high? Um, can you just go to a swingers club, for example, and uh, not swing, <laughs> and just kind of uh, put on a show? Uh, I was also uh, wondering if, if you knew of a way to make this easier. Uh, I might just have to step up and do it. Uh, Thanks. Yes, you can go to swingers clubs. We've talked about that before on the podcast. You can, as a straight couple, go to a swingers club and only have sex with each other. You might have to decline some invitations or some requests to participate from other attendees at that swingers party. Uh, but swingers clubs are generally really respectful affairs. They want them to be safe places for new couples particularly for women. So this idea that if you go to a swingers club, there's going to be a lot of aggressive people chasing you around is, is just not true. Swingers are almost, uh, to a person, extremely self-conscious about making new people feel safe and welcome and nothing is going to happen at a pace that they don't welcome. So 
you can go to a swingers club and get your exhibitionist freak on. You can also make videos and upload them to XTube that don't show your faces. You can also have sex in public. And so what if you get seen or caught? You're a young straight couple. Young straight couples, when they fuck around in public, don't tend to get arrested, not like gay couples of any age. If you guys mess around and the authorities are called, all you can have to do is like be embarrassed and say we didn't have anywhere else and the cops will shrug and smile and tell you to be on your way. So go for it. Have sex in public if somebody sees your sparkling white ass in the moonlight. Uh, I guarantee you that really not much is going to happen to you. Except you'll have a very grateful girlfriend on your hands who'll owe you. And that's always a, a good thing to have around, unless you're a fag like me, which guess it's not so hot. Hi, Dan. My name is Adam. I'm calling you from Las Vegas. I'm 34 years old and married. Uh, I have known since the beginning of the uh, relationship with my wife that she has been a uh, victim of rape uh, in her high school years, uh, twice by the same man. And uh, she confided in me a, a few months ago that some things that I've asked her to do in our sexual relationship have uh, taken her right back there. Um, uh, specifically, it was uh, coming and uh, me coming on her, coming on her tits, coming on her hair, uh, putting my cum on her. I, when, when this came out, I was quite shocked. I, I'd never realized that the, what I was doing was hurting her. And I did go speak to a therapist about it, and she recommended to me that I offer to my wife uh, that that she is in control, that uh, she decides when that's going to happen and, and when it's not going to happen. Uh, that's what I proposed to my wife, and she seemed to accept that and was pleased with that with that result. However, it's been three or four months now and we've had sex on a regular basis, and up to this point, it hasn't happened yet. Um, it's something that I enjoy a lot and something that I want back in our sex life. So my question to you, Dan, is do I have a right to now bring it up to her again? Do I, do I have a right to tell her, look, this is something that I want and this is something that I miss? You have a right to your feelings. In this situation, three to four months is not a long time for someone to who's been given permission to take it at her own pace and to be in control of when or whether it happens again. That's not an extraordinarily long amount of time for that person to take. I would say that even a year or two wouldn't be unreasonable uh, given the circumstances you describe. But you have a right to your feelings and you have a right to say to her not like, hey, you got to come through with the fucking facials because I'm getting impatient with this waiting and you in control shit. What you have to say to her is, I miss that part of our sex life. I miss that. That was meaningful and fun for me and I get that it's going to be the way it is and you're in control but like I just – I miss it. And you have a right to say that. You just have to say it in a way where you're not establishing a deadline, where you're not making her feel any more pressured than I guarantee you that statement may make her feel. And then you have to qualify it with I'm not pressuring you. I'm not rushing you. Uh, I empathize and I'm down with you know what the therapist said, the, the approach we should take. But just so you know, like that's still something that plays out in my imagination and in my fantasy life. And if there's ever a way we, we can reincorporate that into our intimate life together as husband and wife with consent and love as opposed to the way you experienced it traumatically in high school, that would be great. And if not, that would also be great. And you got to say that last part, that you can't make it sound as if – your marriage or your sexual relationship 
uh, going into the future is conditional upon her coming through with facials for you or letting you come on her uh, here or there, which may mean you never get to do this again. Sometimes people have hard triggers, particularly people who have been sexually assaulted or abused will have something that's just too traumatic and they can't go there. And when that's the case, you really got to look at your wife and say, that's the price of admission I'm willing to pay to be with you. And it sounds like you're having sex. You're just not getting to do this one thing. You have to look at her and think and tell yourself, that's the price of admission I'm willing to pay to be with this woman, to, to go without that, to sacrifice that. And I don't think if there's love and affection and intimacy, that that's too steep a price to pay. Hi, Dan. Um, I'm a kinky, kind of by not really, uh, 20-year-old girl from the Northeast. I've been in a relationship for the past six months with a sweet, attractive, um, very nice-looking man who's about my age. Uh, he's a good guy. We have fun together, and my family loves him. But essentially, I'm into BDSM, and he's not. I've been actively involved in the BDSM community publicly and privately since I was about 18. At the beginning of our relationship, he expressed uh, some interest in exploring this with me and learning more. So it's very light playing with him. You know, nothing too fancy, just, uh, you know, like what vanilla people do for kinky fun. <laughs> and um, I took him to a club with me once just to show him what it's all about. Uh, the conclusion we came to is that while he finds it interesting on an intellectual level, he's just not turned on by hurting me, which is nice, I guess. Um, however, he is, he's willing to indulge me to a degree. He'll you know, hold me down, be rough with me during sex, but not much more than that, and I would like more. Um, additionally, he has given me permission to continue to go to BSM clubs to play because he understands that no sex goes on there, and he's not, like, he understands that it's just something that I need, and he's not threatened by it. So that's, you know, all well and good. Um, the issue is that over the past two or three years, um, during my experiences in the scene, I've gotten so used to sex being kinky that while I do get off on male sex with my boyfriend, I'm really jonesing to get the living shit beat out of me before, during, or after sex, as well as all the screwed up fantasies and role play that goes along with my kinks. So I can't turn it off, I can't make it go away, and I don't really want to. The obvious solution is to open up the relationship. When I brought this up to him, he wasn't too pleased solely based on the notion that, practically speaking, it would be more difficult for him to get laid than me. As a hetero guy, it takes a lot of energy to get girls into having sex with you, whereas as a kinky female looking for a dominant male, I would just have to ask nicely. Um, in my opinion, considering his attractive qualities and romantic tasks, I kind of disagree. I also think that the number of partners would be equal or similar because I have specific needs and criteria and therefore don't want to fuck just anyone. Uh, but to keep him happy for the time being, I said, okay, let's make it open to the degree that we can both have sex with girls so the playing field is, field is even according to his theory. Uh, even though I suggested this arrangement, I don't think it's fair because I don't enjoy being dominated by girls. And I ended up having a uh, kinky play date and sex with one of my male play partners. I should probably feel guilty, but I don't because I know he, uh, my boyfriend, is actively attempting to seduce other girls 
And for now, I'm very satisfied with just this one play partner relationship I have going, you know, on the side. But uh, I'm essentially lying to my boyfriend's live omission, though it may be, uh, which violates my ethics, essentially. So what I want to do is let him fool around with whatever girls he wants to let him prove to himself that he can. And then once he's done that enough, ask him for permission again to see other guys. The only option, the only other option is to stop lying and just call it quits now, which I don't want to do. So um, please let me know your thoughts. Why is it that you don't want to just break up with your boyfriend? You're not not that old, right? You're 20-something? Yeah. And it just seems like you're really having to contort yourselves into all sorts of painful but no, in no way fun painful positions to make a relationship work with someone that it sounds like you're not really sexually compatible with. Well, I mean, okay, here's the thing. He's very sweet and I do love him and he's very attractive and well-endowed. But well, he's, he's, it's not that he's not like totally opposed to being kinky or, you know, interacting with me in a kinky way. He's yeah, very but, but as, I've, yeah, yeah. as I've written in Savage Love, there are kinky people who, you know, they can have a vanilla partner who's very patiently kind of indulging them and they can do those kinky things for them. And for some kinksters, that works. That's all they need is somebody to like pretend to like it. But for some kinksters, that ruins it because they want to be yeah. with somebody who wants to do these kinky fucked up things irrespective of them, you know, regardless of their feelings about it. They want to be beaten up by somebody who's getting off on it, not just by somebody yeah. who's willing to, like, spank them for their... I, I think that's, that's definitely me. So I think you need to shove all your chips in the middle of the table and say, you're hot, you've got a great dick, I love you, vanilla sex with you is awesome, and I want to stay with you, but I have all these needs that you can't possibly meet. Yeah, here's the thing. There has been some development since I called. Um, for one, I, I did tell him that I was doing these other th- extracurricular activities, and um, we broke up for a couple of days, and he, he said that, you know, he forgave me and he wanted to work things out. So at this point, we're sort of together, like, for the rest of the summer on a trial basis. What, is, what does he mean by work things out? Um, well, well, essentially, like, oh, I'd, I'd be perfectly content if we could just have an open relationship and, you know, I could stay with him but still be able to do whatever I wanted. And I've given him free range to do whatever he wants with other girls. But uh, I just, I don't, I don't know. It's like, like, he's he's still not really on board with it. So at this point, I know it's not going to last very long and I'm just sort of uh, waiting to get back to school so I can let him down easy with minimal emotional damage. Okay, well, it sounds like you're taking my advice before I even called. Oh, okay. But my my feeling is, you know, when you've made up your mind the way it sounds like you've made up your mind, that it's not letting somebody down easy to extend something, what, potentially like another eight weeks, ten weeks? Yeah. I kind of think that's – or six weeks. I think that's cruel because – you know, getting dumped sucks. Getting dumped and then realizing the person you were with the last like eight weeks, three months, six months, whatever, was already done with you, that adds humiliation to the pain and not a good kind of humiliation to not a good kind of pain. It just makes you feel abused in a bad way. Not a, I have to qualify everything that I talk about when we're talking about with kinksters, right? <laughs> um, and so I'm, all, I'm from the rip the bandaid 
off school unless there's like you're helping your person through a crisis or you know their mom has just died and you want to see them through like two weeks of grieving and funerals and everything then you shouldn't fucking dump somebody you know on their you know when they're coming out of the cancer treatment a la the ex first ex mrs gingrich you don't do that but he's hot he's young it's summer he could be single for all you know he could meet the woman he's destined to be with next saturday night if he wasn't with you and the same could happen for you. You could meet the kinky dom top of your dreams next Saturday night if you weren't with him. So there's worse things than being young and hot and single in the summertime. Yeah, and I would say one of those worst things is being pity fucked for six weeks in the summertime by somebody who's done with you. I mean, it's not pity fucking. I enjoy it. It's just, uh, I, I don't know how, I, I, like, I, I want to break up with him eventually but at, at, like at this point when I, when I broke up with him he was he, this is really the first time he's ever been in love and I think he's a lot more in love with me than I am with him although I, I do care about him very much and I know that if I if I dump him again he's like if, if I just well, then, then you'll have to put it you'll have to take him to the vet and have the vet put him to sleep while you cradle him in your arms then that's the only way to spare him from the pain that's coming his way of being dumped <laughs> And it's actually illegal to take a fully grown hot male with a big dick to the vet and have him put to sleep while you cradle him gently in your arms. Okay. And it's you just have to tell him that you're not – it's not going to work out between you two. You're not – you can – let's be friends. We can be great friends. We can be fuck buddies for the rest of the summer, but we're not going to be able to be together. Okay. But be, be honest with him. Be straight with him. And it's going to, you know, it's hard to say these things and it's easy for me, yeah. you know, in a long-term relationship, it's been a long time since I've had to say something mm-hmm. like this to anybody. It's really hard to like bring yourself to say these things. But every time I had to say something like this to somebody or even when I heard shit like this from somebody, I felt better for it afterwards. For being honest, I felt better. For getting the honest truth, I felt better. However painful it was in that moment, it was better to be told the truth. Okay? Yep. Okay. Do what you know you need to do. And then if well, you feel bad afterwards, go get a spanking from somebody who wants to give you one. <laughs> yep. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Dan. Good luck. Hi, Dan. I'm a 23-year-old female who has a hard time believing I'm going to find a man I want to be with. I have two big issues with most men, most people for that matter. Number one, drug and alcohol use. I'm a non-drinker, non-drug user. I never have been. I never will be. Um, I've dealt with an incredible amount of loss because of the addiction that both of my parents struggled with. So rather than try to decide what's the appropriate amount of alcohol consumption a week before someone's considered an alcoholic or dealing with trying to explain to someone who smokes pot every day why it's a big, expensive waste, I would just like to find someone who does not do these things. But they can also not be religious. Problem number two, I hate porn. I'm all about legalization of anything and everything because I know that denying access to things just creates more problems and higher risks associated with procuring these things, and that means costs are driven up. So although I feel that people should have the right to watch as much porn as they want, I don't want a man who does it. I've tried watching it before, every style and type. It just disgusts me. But on top of that, I cannot connect emotionally with a man who watches porn. 
maybe it boils down to so low self-confidence or, or maybe daddy issues, whatever. It's something about me that's not going to change, and so it will continue to cause tension in my relationships. I guess my question to you is, um, should I give up? You've said before all men watch porn. Even if they are considerate and they lie and they cover their tracks like a professional, they're still watching it. And it seems to me most men also like to drink or smoke pot or, or do something, um, even if it's not defined as addiction. Should I just stop dating now and fully accept my fate as being a cat lady who adopts children on her own? I'm trying to become more okay with the idea of um, ending up without a partner rather than getting my heart broken and my expectations not met over and over. There are guys out there who don't drink. There are guys out there that don't smoke pot. There are guys out there who don't watch porn. One or two of them, they email me every time I say all guys watch porn. So there are one or two out there who don't watch porn or at least that's what they say in emails that their girlfriends hover over them while they compose and send to me. The, your odds of finding a guy who brings all three of those things to the table, non-drinking, non-pot-smoking, non-porn-watching guy, who also is attracted to you physically, who you are attracted to physically, who you click with emotionally, who clicks with you emotionally, who wants the th same things in life that you want in life, children, cats, the more and more things you stack up, the more and more deal breakers you have – the likelier you are to be alone all your life. You know, you don't get everything you want in a partner. You also don't get everything you don't want in a partner. Settling down, as I've said 10 million thousand, 100 billion, zillion, trillion times, settling down requires settling for. You might meet somebody who brings 80% of what you want to the table who likes to smoke pot. You can say, well, harumph, I'm storming out of here because – you're a pot smoker. Well, all right. Then you can go adopt a cat and be alone all your life if that's what you want. You, you know, if you're going to be that rigid, you probably should be alone all your life. If you're going to be that rigid, you probably want to be alone all your life. I've never met anybody who had sort of an endless bill of particulars, an endless list of you know, deal breakers and non-negotiables when it comes to relationships who wasn't on some level – trying to make sure they never did have any sort of lasting long-term relationship, who was clearly happier single but wanted to present it in such a way where they were being victimized by a cruel universe that wouldn't cough up the non-drinking, non-pot-smoking, non-porn-using, whatever else is on your list of her dreams on her doorstep. That's not the way life works. I was about to sign off and the Tech Savvy at Risk Youth nudged me and let me know that there are straight edge communities you can tap into. I think maybe, you know, one of those Tech Savvy at Risk Youth is a straight edger and they're just not out to me about it for fear that I would puff on a bong all during the recordings and force them to uh, inhale pot smoke against their will. But there are straight edge communities out there. It's my general impression of people who build their lives around what they're not doing, that those things that they're not doing are things that they desperately want to do and will at some point commence doing, a la, you know, all those crazy anti-gay weirdos who turned out to be cocksuckers themselves. All these straight edgers that I've known who've gone on and on and on about drugs and alcohol wind up succumbing to the charms of drugs and alcohol, even hopefully not the addiction, but the charms, the occasional perks and benefits. Of drugs now. But yeah, go run off to the straight edge meeting. If you see any of the tech-savvy at-risk youth there, please let me know because I'd like to know if uh, there's a tech-savvy at-risk straight edge youth uh, locked in this tiny little room with me right now. 
And one last point that I'd like to make is you are young and there's nothing more charming and cliche and telling than that sort of stick in the mud and up the ass at the same time ism of the young where you have these sort of definite wants, needs, things, shit the universe has to cough up for you. And what you will discover as you age and grow gain some wisdom and experiences. The universe don't owe you shit and you have to compromise with the universe and the universe is not going to compromise with you. So you may have to settle for a good and decent and loving guy who occasionally looks at porn on the sly and gets high every once in a while. But it's mostly what you need and want in your life and who likes cats too. That may be who you have to settle for if you don't want to be alone. And eventually you may be ready to settle for that guy. And when you meet that guy and you marry him – Invite me to the wedding, and I will bring the pop brownies. Hey, Dan. I just listened to episode 250, and I have a non-sex-related concern about the advice you gave the gay kid who was trying to uh, finesse the fact that his mom might find uh, porn on his computer. You uh, su suggested as a last resort that he could have the computer stolen and uh, tell her that it was, was stolen. He could throw it in the lake. And that's great, except that especially since I think he said she's an IT professional. She's almost certainly got the computer insured and would almost certainly submit a claim, and that would turn our poor gay kid into a felon. So, uh, I mean, I realize the stakes are high for him, but he shouldn't have to become a felon to avoid them. Hey, Dan, I'm just calling about uh, the kid who was worried that his mom was going to find his gay porn stash in episode 250. Uh, he suggested a sort of nuclear option where he could just toss his laptop in a lake. I wanted to suggest something a little less expensive. He could just undo a few screws, take out the hard drive, and whack out the hammer and uh, have only like a 50 or $100 repair instead of buying a whole new laptop. So just a uh, less expensive nuclear option. Thanks. Dan, I'm calling in response to episode 250 about the guy who uh, got a virus downloading porn. Uh, it surprises me how many people uh, do not practice just general common sense when it comes to porn and computers. Just like you wouldn't have sex with a hooker without a condom, you shouldn't uh, ever go to any kind of porn site without any proper antivirus protection on your computer, uh, especially if you have a Macintosh. Macs have uh, a reputation of not getting viruses, but... Uh, Macs are getting more and more viruses these days, so you always need antivirus protection, and there's some good free antivirus protection out there. Uh, and just like you wouldn't accept a blowjob from a homeless person with sores all over their mouth, you should never accept anything from a website you don't trust. If you get a pop-up that says, that asks you if you want to download something and it gives you a yes or a no, just say no. Uh, also, keep your web browsers updated with uh, security updates and to modern versions. Uh, that way, it, uh, you can be sure that security holes get plugged and you're not nearly as at risk as you would be if you're using uh, Windows XP and Internet Explorer 6. Uh, an added bonus of using a modern web browser is that modern web browsers like Internet Explorer 9 and Google Chrome include a private mode, which is also called a porn mode, because when you activate the private mode, as soon as you close the window, it automatically deletes your history, your cookies, and your uh, temporary archives. So that's a, a nice way of covering your tracks. So just like you should always practice safe sex, you should practice safe porn on the Internet. 
Quickly before we go, a programming note. Everyone has to go see Book of Mormon. If you can get tickets on Broadway, please go see Book of Mormon. And uh, I want to apologize to the Tech Savvy at Risk Youth for beating them up on the podcast today and also for subjecting them to the original Broadway cast recording of Book of Mormon. Every week when we get together to record the show, we listen to one or two songs from Book of Mormon, whether the Tech Savvy at Risk Youth want to listen to them or not, and they don't. But I recommend all of you get the sound, the original Broadway cast recording. It's amazing. Book of Mormon, best thing I've seen on Broadway forever. 206-201-2720 is the number here at the podcast. Give us a call. Get the Savage Love app for iPhone or Android because then you get me every day in your pocket. And me and the Tech Savvy at Risk Youth will be back at you next week with another installment of the Savage Love cast. Thanks for downloading. <laughs>